bustling city streets. At twilight, Sarah, a young professional, navigates through the crowd, feeling the pangs of both hunger and loneliness. She's new in town and craves both a culinary adventure and some company. Traditional food apps like Uber Eats only solve half her problem. They can find her a place to eat, but not someone to share the experience with. So my idea for Sarah is Waitlist. It's a mobile app where you choose how many people you want to have dinner with within this app. And then what it does is it schedules you a future date with a bunch of random individuals at a random new sort of exclusive restaurant in the city. And then you can go into the app and put in sort of your preferences. You know, what are your food preferences? What are your people preferences? So I want to dine with one person that's older, one person that's younger, someone who works in engineering, someone that works as like in the theater or whatever. And he, you put in your preferences and then it automatically makes this dinner reservation at this up and coming restaurant for you. So it's a bit of a play on that old question. If you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you have dinner with? So are we saying we can invite dead people to the dinner? Is there like some kind of AR, AR sorry, uh, like a, I mean, a VR set? That, it's definitely a future scope. I'm not going to lie. So what you're saying with this app, you buy yourself, it's kind of like a, a mystery dinner date, friend date kind of thing. Uh, yeah, friends. So it's not about dating. It's about five plus people all sign up and then they get matched together based on their preferences to go and meet at a dinner place. So loneliness is this massive problem at the moment. And I can speak to that, which talks to the desirability. So on a global scale, nearly one in four people worldwide, so more than a billion people have reported feeling very or fairly lonely, according to this survey that was done across 140 countries, mind you. So global scale, who are these people that are going to use this app? Well, obviously, they need to be sort of interested in restaurants and going out to dinner and, and that sort of thing and want to socialize with sort of random people. So they'll need to be fairly sort of sociable. But the actual target market would be sort of an urban professional, probably singles, maybe travelers, these types of people who are moving through cities or coming to cities to experience, you know, different things like restaurants. Yeah, it feels almost like a bit of a contradiction because we've got on one hand being lonely. On the other hand, you need to be sociable. It's almost like introvert, extrovert type thing. So it would be interesting. And I think you're right towards the end there. It's almost people in the city. So whether it's travelers or for business, so more that shorter term period. So like yourself, you know, you've just moved to the city. You're not lonely per se. It's just that at this point, you don't have anyone really to hang out with because you're new to the city and you're still making friends. Yeah, absolutely. Could be a great place to make friends. So yeah, I'm an exact target demographic. Yeah. And I reckon the other good thing here. You know, in terms of restaurant booking, so if you're going to a restaurant by yourself, probably harder to get a table because the restaurant sees you as one person, which means less money, means you're taking up a table of two minimum. So you're obviously only going to give them half the revenue they could get if they'd brought two people in. But if you're booking a restaurant for six people, that's more attractive because obviously that means more money to them. So maybe, and we'll probably get to it later, you know, having the restaurants on board with this Almost like if you're booking through this app, it's almost like we've got some reserve tables or you get some kind of priority preference. Yes, exactly right. And that could be tied into the business model. Definitely. Totally agree with you. And it's just for me, the appeal is, you know, you want to have a dinner party basically, but it's like, I don't want to have a dinner party with the same people that I have a dinner party with every week. It's like, I want some characters thrown in there. Do you know what I mean? And I want to be able to preference my characters. Like I want one to be an astronaut. I want one to be a, a canteen lady. I want them all at the table at once and I want to rock up and be like, okay, I'm having dinner with these people in a good restaurant and see where the conversation goes, see where the night goes. Yeah, nice. Let's look at the market size for something like this. What I've sort of taken as a benchmark is the global online food delivery market because I feel like we would sort of eat into that a little bit maybe. So 
So that's sitting at 111 billion in 2020, estimated to reach 154 billion by 2023. Apart from that, though, I could have researched the hospitality industry, dining industry, but I think it's just so massive that you wouldn't get any clear numbers on that. Eating in restaurants and sort of thing is like a massive industry. I think the the thing that you would need to find here in terms of a market size is probably less on the eating side. Because I suppose at one point, everybody eats. So, you know, it's it's almost 100% people eat, but it's probably more the people willing to go on something like this because obviously you're putting yourself out there. You are meeting random people, strangers that you've not met before. So there's probably a, a personality type. It's probably almost more the dating apps. If you look at the dating apps, who are the kind of people that go onto those kind of apps? They're willing to put themselves out there to meet random strangers, which we also know is a big market. Absolutely. I think I think you're right. In the in the research for the competition I did, it did come up as dating apps, as the competition, social meetup platforms like meetup.com. And then but then also on the restaurant size, maybe reservation sort of services, open table, resi, those sort of ones as well for the restaurant booking side. So just jumping into the revenue model, this app could be a subscription. We could earn money as sort of like a partner for restaurants. We could potentially offer discounts to the consumer and then act as like a sort of lead gen for restaurants. We could book them before they're even open or whatever. We could create wait lists, which is the whole name of it. Just sounds cool. I, I, I literally am addicted to this idea. I'm getting high on my own supply here. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's a good idea. For someone like you, you're in the perfect position for this because you've moved to the city, like we said you're looking for exactly a solution like this. So you're experiencing the problem firsthand. Yeah. And just the name, Waitlist. Does that not just sound like, it's just perfect. On the name, and obviously, you know, the name at this point is is just something that, to try and describe the idea. For me, a waitlist is probably the opposite because it's like, well, I, I, I can't get the actual thing I want to get. So now I've got to go into a waitlist. Oh, for me, it creates exclusivity. It, yeah, it could do as well. Could go either way. But and, uh, hey, that's fair. That's fair. You say that. That's interesting. Well, it's like when, when you want to get tickets to an event or if something is sold out, you then go onto waitlist. So you didn't get there in time. You're now hoping that somebody cancels so that you get in there. So it's kind of... It's like I'm on the list, but I'm not guaranteed to get it. What am I thinking of? The list. Anyway, in terms of executing this, technical requirements, it's an app. I think um, there's definitely ways you can do this. I think the technology is well ready to create something like this. It'll be key and very reliant on the partnerships with restaurants, I think. But you can also partner with something like OpenTable or, or something like that. Maybe they have an API, I'm not sure. You know, these online booking sites and we could just be sort of the front end and the, the social matching aspect. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Waitlist, name TBD now, but yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I think it's a great idea. And I think yeah, your point at the end there is probably right. Rather than build the whole booking functionality, because I think the challenge there is getting into all the restaurants and then tying in with all their systems. If you've got a third party who already does that, like OpenTable, basically you're doing the step before that, which is getting the group together. And then you can use apps like that to then make the booking. How can you build an API? How can you do the matching part of it? Like that's the value proposition is the matching part. The booking part, if you can get it done by someone else to start with, maybe eventually you build it in, but great idea. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. I've impressed with myself this week. I haven't been this impressed since fishing, the fish fashion idea. Fish fashion. Dude, that was like episode three. Yeah. I Seriously, I've not been this chuffed since. Good. That's that's what we want. We want to love these ideas. But, you know, if other people love them as well, if you're listening right now and you love it as well, reach out to Patrick. Make it happen. Absolutely. What do you got for me, Dan? All right. So- You're in a different country. You're in an English-speaking country. But when you go to many other countries around the world, obviously language is a major barrier. And obviously English and Chinese to an extent as well, it's being more widely adopted. 
So, you know, the language barrier isn't as much as it used to be. I do also think, though, just as on a personal note, the different languages are quite cool. Like, I love the culture, the history, and all that part behind the various languages. But obviously, understanding people is a challenge. There is translation software out there. So Google, probably the best known with its Google Translate. They've also got their augmented reality option where you can hold the camera over some kind of text in another language and it will in real time translate it on your screen, right? So that's pretty cool. But what about during a conversation? So you don't necessarily want to have your phone out and every time someone says something, you're trying to put it in and then you're kind of putting your response into your language and then having to read it back or getting out one of the books, where the phrase book where it has all the different languages. So what I want to do is boldly go where no one has gone before because- I reckon I've got an idea for a universal translator. You might think this already exists. So we just talked about Google Translate. There's books. There's things that probably already do this stuff. But I'm going to take it a bit further. If you think about any sci-fi show, Star Trek, as an example, any of those shows, all the alien cultures, they speak. But the crew of the Star Trek ship, for example, they understand it in English. It's just in their head. They understand it in, in English, right? So I'm going to do something very similar. Now, I'm going to go straight into the feasibility in terms of how you would actually build this. Cause I think that's obviously the, the key point. How is this different? So I'm going to use a technology called bone conduction, which you might have heard before. It's the technology that's in hearing aids, right? So what we start with is speech recognition. So we're going to have a device. And let's just say you can use your phone. So your phone will understand what somebody else says. So you talk to me in, let's say you, you say a phrase in German. My phone picks it up, picks up the speech, right? It converts that speech into text. It then turns that text into my language. So that's pretty straightforward up to now, right? Mm -hmm. So you speak in yes. German. See. Yeah, very good. <laughs> picks it up, converts it into my language. Then the next bit is it converts my language or my text into sound waves. It sends those sound waves to this bone conduction device. Now, this device sits just over your ear. So it's kind of like a hearing aid. So just imagine a hearing aid, but kind of just sits over the top of your ear. And what it does is it takes the sound waves and it turns them into little vibrations. And those vibrations vibrate against your head and your inner ear. And that changes that in your head into sound. It changes it back into sound. Yeah. It's kind of how the hearing aids work. So because you can't hear the sound directly, converts the sound to vibrations. And then inside your head, converts those vibrations back to sound. Does that make sense? It does. All right. So- all I'm doing here is instead of just taking your natural language and passing it through like a hearing aid, it's basically doing the translation first and then it's passing that through. Okay. So you're talking in German, but I'm hearing it in English. Now, the thing with bone conduction technology is that you hear it inside your head. I haven't actually experienced this myself, but you hear it in your head as if you're thinking it which sounds yeah, really yeah. strange. Yeah, there's, there's definitely, um, and producer Rodney's typed that in, there's headphones that are bone conductor. I've, I've, had, I've, I've had them as well. Um, they literally, it does come into your head. It does feel like that, 100%. Yeah, right. So this is where we're using that technology. And all we're doing is before we're doing this translation. So somebody is, so the end result is that you say a phrase to me in German and I hear it in my head in English or in my language. And that's where I think the difference is. So this is real time. We're talking in our own languages, having full conversations, but we're hearing it in our head, in our own language. Yes, I like it. However... I went to Mobile World Congress in Barcelona and I literally have a photo with uh, of myself wearing one of these. Yeah, nice. Not even not even joking. So that was they were in the startup section though at the time. I don't know how far they've come. It was like a translator thing where you stood on like they were they were Japanese and I wore it and they stood across from me and they spoke to me in Japanese and talked to me in English. Oh, there you go. Except the issue at the time was 
the delay in, in transmitting the information, there was a massive delay, latency. Well, yeah, because it would need to hear the whole, it can't translate word by word. It needs to wait for the full sentence to be said before it can translate. Yeah. If you had someone else with this kind of thing as well, and so you, you have a conversation, I, I think you could do it with one person, like just one person wearing the headset. You could have the other person wearing it. But yeah, the latency, that delay is definitely something you need to think about. That I, I was thinking about that too. But where, where this came from, I um, a while back in 2013, I'm not sure if you're aware of the, the Cannes Lion uh, Creativity Festival, obviously in Cannes in France. One of the winners or one of the entrants there was Sky Mobile in Germany. So this is back in 2013. They tested this concept, some marketing concept, where a train commuter would lean their head against the window and it's kind of like if they're resting or they're falling asleep. And they had this little device attached to the window, which would do the vibrations. And so in their head, they heard an ad for Sky Mobile. And basically, it's like, if you're bored, <laughs> download the Sky, oh Sky Mobile app and, you know, for entertainment, whatever. Like, how cool is that? That is amazing. Yeah. I don't think they ever ran with it. Or maybe they did, but it was just, like, confined to that test. That's kind of where I got the idea from. It's like, well, if you can put this into people's head, why can't we, you know, use this step of translation first and have this real-time universal translator? That's incredible. That is incredible. I think that kind of stuff is getting concerning, though, for privacy-wise. But, you know, I mean, I've, there's, there's sort of like you hear about these stories of military technology being able to beam things through your house like and heat you up through your house and i feel like the 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 armed forces community might have some of this stuff already sort of more like advanced where i don't know the market's a little bit far behind but in a few years you know this stuff's going to be mainstream and we're calling it here now yeah and with the advances in ai more processing power you know the latency will will eventually go away the technology will get better producer rodney has talked about you know the brain computer interface with the chip implanted in your brain that's that's mm. probably the next step would you um, do that uh no nah, probably not at this point i'll do it <laughs> i'm happy with my brain how it is i'll i'll go i'll i'd volunteer as tribute there you go well <laughs> maybe that can be one of our next studies working out how to get one of those things up and running uh, it seems pretty cool yeah i want to call out something else I mean, there's lots of languages in the world. Mm. However, I'm living, you know, I don't know, in an English-speaking country, but London's a very multicultural place. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people speaking different languages, but everyone speaks English, really. And you go into Europe, pretty much, like, a lot of people speak English and in basically most countries, unless you, you start getting rural and, you know, people don't. But it's sort of like English really is, a, is this language that lots of people speak. I just don't know how useful it is when English is getting taught in primary schools in every country across the world. Yeah, no, and you're right, and I called that out up top. You know, English and probably Chinese as well, they're becoming more um, pervasive across the, the world. And so... You can generally go somewhere and talk English, even broken English at some point, and you can understand each other. But, you know, to your point, so there's 7,100 languages in the world, and that's probably a lot of that is, you know, those small dialects in far reaches like in the Amazon and those undiscovered small languages that only five people speak. And like four, four of the 7,100 languages are useful. <laughs> yeah. But, but, all right, so just as an example, so Google Translate, so there are more than 1 billion users on Google Translate, 600 million daily users and over 100 billion words are translated per day, right? So even though, yes, English is very well used, those numbers just represent a huge market. That is incredible. Duolingo, which is a, an app to learn languages, so they've got 500 million registered users and 37 million active users per month. So again, these numbers support that even though, yes, English is becoming more used, there is still a huge market. I once did 70 days straight on Duolingo, like a hot streak. For what, what language? French. Can you say anything? No, bread is like panna or something. I don't know. Oh, well, it was definitely worth it then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, I think your point as well in 
you know, who's going to use it on, say, an individual level? What I kind of think is that, yes, there would be some individual users. So if you're traveling, for example, but I think it's probably more organizations or governments that deal in multiple languages where it would be more valuable. So, you know, think at the UN, as you've probably seen on TV or, you know, wherever a representative is giving a speech in their language to the whole assembly, and then they've all got their earphones in, which is a person translating all of that. So they're translating in real time. That's the kind of thing where imagine if everyone had these headsets or these you know, bone conduction headsets, and as the, the presenter is speaking, they're all hearing it in their natural language inside their head. That's the kind of thing. And there's lots of translation services, airports, for example, where a lot of people from different countries and languages are going through. So I think that's probably more the opportunity. It's more that business organization use rather than the individual. It's a better experience is what you're trying to provide. Yeah. In terms of business model, you know, that's probably the target market in terms of how you'd sell it. You know, obviously, there'd be upfront costs, research and development, building the software, hardware, et cetera. But I think a lot of it already exists. We already said you probably use just your Google um, Translate on your phone as that recipient and doing all the translation. So it'll receive the speech, do all the translation. Bone conduction headphones already exist. So all you're doing is sending them the language in your natural language. So I reckon you could probably get away with it, at least the prototype, relatively cheaply to see if it works. But it sounds like, to your point, it's already kind of being looked at. So that Japanese company you referred to. But I still think, yeah, a a real-time universal translator, it would be somewhat of a holy grail because I feel like this has kind of been something that's been, language has been a a barrier for a long, long time. And it's probably one of the few Star Trek technologies which hasn't actually been invented yet. Often people or inventors or businesses, startups look to these sci-fi shows because they develop all this technology, which eventually becomes a reality. How weird is that? Well, I suppose you've you've got no restrictions. As a sci-fi writer, you can make up whatever you want. Yeah. No, but it's just weird that it comes true, but yeah. So that's it. That's the idea. What do you think? I like the emphasis on the bone conduction technology. I think that's different. I think that's your differentiator. Look at those numbers though, like 500 million registered users on Duolingo. That is just like speaks to how many people want to know languages, right? It's a big opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, lots of people want to learn in the different language. I mean, again, that's been an industry that's been around for a long time. This probably, I suppose, avoids having to learn a language because in this case, you don't need to learn it. It'll just automatically translate in your head. And this is why I think it's a pretty cool idea, just having that real time in your head. It's like you're talking in your language to someone else. All right. Well, I think that's it then. Anything else to say? Brilliant. Brilliant. See you then. See you.